0: Ladies and gents, and welcome to Magpies Unrestricted, where we'll be talking all things Newcastle United. I'm your host Chris Simpson, and joining me today is Cara Thistlethwaite, as ever. Hello. And uh, we're actually going to start with just some sad news um, today, because we're just we're recording this on the Monday, and yesterday, so on Sunday, uh, former Newcastle player, captain, and manager Glenn Roder uh, sadly passed away at age 65 after an 18-year battle with a brain tumour. We just wanted to pay a bit of a tribute to him before we get on to the other stuff, like Newcastle's one-all draw with Wolves. Now, Car and I are both uh, in our twenties, so we n- neither of us are particularly familiar with Glen Roder as a player. But he was a ball-playing centre-back with a trademark move, actually, was a step-over, uh, which was known as the the Roder shuffle. Uh, now, you wouldn't get many centre-backs doing step-overs these days, would you?
1: Well, I don't know, so yunchi. <laughs> I
0: suppose. I think we're, you know we're a bit more used to having, play, you know, centre backs these days who are comfortable co- coming out from the back and, and being good on the ball. But you know, I think in, in the time when he played, I think that was probably something of a rarity, and I think it spoke to the talent actually that he had. So Glenn Roder, he made more than 500 appearances in his career, including 219 over a five-year spell at Newcastle, uh, where he played alongside the likes of Gaza. Of course, he earned the Magpies uh, promotion from the second division in 1984. And then I, I mainly really know him as a coach, uh, as a manager. And of course, he returned to St James's Park as a youth coach in 2005 and then just uh, in the in the following February took over as manager of the senior team when Graeme Soonis was sacked. And that was a pretty remarkable second half of that season. Uh, he took Newcastle from 15th place to 7th with n- nine wins in their last fourteen Premier League games, and he did that even more impressively. The fact that Michael Owen was injured, of course, he you know over Christmas he just got that first, basically what was the first major injury during his time at Newcastle, and of course what sort of led to that downward spiral of injury problems he had really for the rest of his career, and of course Alan Shearer, you know that was his final season at the club. He was he was thirty five, so to to win. Nine from 14 games and and really charged Newcastle right up the table, I think, was a testament to how good a job he did in those initial months. following season, he actually won the Intertoto Cup.
1: I mean, that's not a real trophy, but...
0: I mean, no, that's the thing. I mean, the Intertoto Cup, of course, isn't really a trophy. It was, still have that image of Scott Parker sort of slightly sheepishly lifting up this big plate that was the trophy which Newcastle only won because... I mean, they only played two games in the Intertoto Cup, which, of course, they qualified for by finishing seventh. And they beat Wielstrom over that two legs to then get into the UEFA Cup, which, of course, is now the Europa League. And then they won the Intertoto Cup by then being the last of those teams to qualify via that route, then in the UEFA Cup by reaching the round of 16. But, as I said... Not really a real trophy, but it is actually the only bit of silverware Newcastle have won since 1969, uh, unless you know not counting uh, second division titles. So I think he does deserve you know a great bit of tribute to that. And then Newcastle they finished 13th the following season, and he he resigned. And of course, as we all know, then uh, that was when Sam Allardyce took over, and of course then the dark times began under Mike Ashley. So Glenn Rode was he was basically that last sort of throwback before Mike Ashley took over. And the, I think one of the main reasons, aside from the fact that, of course, he, he played and managed Newcastle as well, is one of the reasons we wanted to pay just this little tribute to him was just that he was a, he was a true gent of the game. He was someone who, He loved the club. He really understood the fans, had that great relationship with Newcastle. And, you know, we haven't had too much of that in recent years, I think since him, you know, you're really only looking at Chris Hughton or, or, or maybe Rafa Benitez, who you could really say the same about. To a lesser extent, Steve Bruce, who, of course, is a Newcastle fan as well. But it's you know, Steve
1: Bruce, though, isn't it? So
0: exactly, as I say, Glenn Roder, just a really wonderful human being, just an absolute gentleman. Uh, I don't think anyone ever had a bad word to say about him. And I've got a tweet here actually from a Newcastle fan called Kieran, which. I just wanted to read out, it just sums him up as a person. And he said that, you know, in, in 2007, clubs were asked to donate wages to nurses who were undergoing financial difficulties. And Glenn Roder asked a nurse to do a presentation to show what she did every day. And afterwards he spoke about what the nurses had did for him during his cancer treatment, when of course he was dealing with that brain tumor. And as a result, Newcastle actually were the only team to actually donate two weeks wages and that was all, really all thanks to Glenn Roden, just his, his kindness and just who he was as a person. So we just wanted to pay that bit of a tribute to him. As I say, sadly, passed away on Sunday, age 65. So moving on now to Newcastle's one-all draw against Wolves.
1: And wow, was I hoping for something that wasn't a one-all draw.
0: Yes, well, that, that was the fifth time in a row... Newcastle and Wolves have drawn one all. So I think we're all getting a bit fed up with that scoreline now. And yet again, I thought, as with several of the previous ones, I thought Newcastle were perhaps a little bit hard done by not to take the three points. I thought Newcastle overall did play quite well, especially in that first half. You know, Newcastle, we started really well, actually, didn't we?
1: You did, but it's getting to the point now that this seems a bit like a broken record. For me, it was getting frustrating to watch you i'm not obviously i i, I don't buy as much into in newcastle as a, as a true fan but i was frustrated for newcastle there was no outlet and then it didn't help on the other side that wolves were exactly the same in the second half both teams had looked threatening but there was absolutely nothing there's no outlet at the end for either Apart from those two, I think Wolves hit the post and scored and and, and Newcastle did the same. It was just a bit of, I found, felt it was a bit of a frustrating match. I don't even know whether I could say either team was good. It felt like the first half, Newcastle should have been ahead. The second half, Wolves should have been ahead. But also, both teams were completely toothless.
0: Yeah, I suspect we're going to be saying... The same thing quite a lot, really, for the rest of the season <laughs> with Calvin Wilson being out, because Newcastle, actually, you know, they started on the front foot, which was really nice to see. Uh, not something they do very often, even in recent games where I think the performance levels generally, aside from the Chelsea match, have been quite a bit higher. But that was the problem. They played well. They, they actually dominated possession. Almiron was causing all sorts of problems. Alan saint was really troubling Nelson Samedo quite a lot down that flank but Newcastle really should have been one or two goals up from that first half and just didn't take any of their chances and of course that ultimately was the reason why they didn't manage to get the three points which was a real shame
1: I mean by the 26th minute because I wrote this stat down because I was that annoyed, by the 26th minute you'd had seven chances four of which were on target and it was still nil Nil.
0: I think Miguel Almiron had come the closest, of course, he he hit the post quite early on, and then Joe Willock forced that really good save from Rui Patricio after that great work from ASM down the left hand flank. But you know, he should have he should have scored. He should have buried it from from that range. And then you know, Newcastle then they did take of course that deserved lead early in the second half. That great cross from Ryan Fraser and that really wonderful header from Losettes. But, of course, then Almiron had gone off at half-time, Sam Maximan limped off, and predictably, with just that one goal cushion, Wolves eventually scored.
1: I mean, I thought Jolington looked like he was going to do something. I thought you know, I thought he was going to be the first off uh, for injury. And then I think he realised the other two were genuinely injured, so he decided that he was not going to throw himself on the floor for about 10 minutes to have um, some form of physio done. What happens every match... And yeah, he did he did have a great shot. Then it was excellent defending as well because he had beaten the keeper in that second half.
0: Yeah, it was an amazing block, wasn't it, from Roman Syth to deny Johanton, which was, as you said, completely goal bound, goalkeeper beaten and then unfortunately, as I say, he was Sice put himself in the exact right position and just that frustration again. Um of course Ruben Neves had, had equalised in the seventy second minute with his header. Which, you know, I think Martin Dubravka, I think uh, given how much of a hand he got to it, I think he probably should have kept it out.
1: So this is a question then I have for you because I know Dubravka came in and I know he's your first choice goalie. But even despite this potential save that he could have done right from the start, was it harsh that Darlow got pushed out because he had been playing really well for you? Or is it just because, well, Dubravka's back and really you should be playing him because he is your first choice and you must clearly pay him more?
0: Well, I think Debravka had been back for a little while. Of course, Darlow deservedly kept his place in the team because he had done so well. But I think then after that performance against Manchester United, where he was well, certainly certainly at fault for that first goal, and I think probably could have done better with a few other in a few other moments during that game. I think it was probably time to put Debravka back in. Unfortunately, as I say, I think he probably should have done better with Neves's goal, possibly due to a bit of rust with him having been out and then not having played many first-team games of late. That said, of course, he did also make that incredible save in injury time to keep out Fabio Silva. I mean, that was such a, a phenomenal reaction save, which I think sums up why he was back in the team.
1: Yeah, yeah. I just... Uh, there's always that question, isn't there, when there has been and, and such a player with such a good... Last couple of matches, one mistake, is that enough? I mean, look at other teams. Schmeichel didn't have a great game, but they'll still play Schmeichel. Alisson hasn't had great games, but they'll still play Alisson. It's just one of those things. I know those two are obviously not the best examples because they are both first-team goalies and they will hold that number one shirt for a very, very long time.
0: Yeah, I I think that's the thing with those. As you say, with with keepers like Schmeichel, uh, like Alisson, they're so much better, really, than the second-choice goalkeepers at that club, it it you know it would really take a sustained period of poor form. I mean, look at even David De Gea at Manchester United. He's not been that world-class goalkeeper that he became... He hasn't been that goalkeeper for, for really a few years now, and he has had quite a few howlers, but he's David De Gea, so Manchester United aren't really going to drop him. Well, certainly it takes a lot for them to consider leaving him out, and even then, are they going to leave him out long periods. It's not really going to happen. Obviously, it's a little different at Newcastle because I don't think there's probably quite as much of a gap. But That said, Dubravka obviously is one of our best players. Uh, and I think generally it, to to maximise our chances of staying up, I think we probably do want him between the sticks.
1: Yeah. Uh, on another note, Shelby, it was his 29th birthday on that day. I mean, A, is he going to be on the transfer market this year? Because we all know how wonderful... Ashley's transfer policy is, is he too old now? And also, secondly, I just wanted to say, clearly, splitting his soul into all those Horcruxes have taken a toll on his physical form. But, you know, still playing well.
0: Well, I mean, to be honest, considering how long ago it was that Harry Potter, you know, took him down, I think he's actually looking all right.
1: (laughs) He's grown his nose back.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so ultimately, though, of course, what all that means is that Newcastle just stay three points ahead of Fulham, who, of course, drew with Crystal Palace. Uh, though they have moved level with Brighton after their controversial defeat to West Brom. So I suppose there is a very small amount of progress being made there. But as ever, the, the next few games, West Brom, Aston Villa, Brighton, they're going to be absolutely massive.
1: I feel you need to win two at least out of those three. Win two at least.
0: I think so. I think if if they can get maybe six or seven points on the board, especially considering, of course, Brighton are obviously going to be one of their main rivals in terms of fighting for survival. Then I think that would really be a a massive confidence boost and B that would take us to you know maybe 32 33 points which of course isn't going to be enough but it's a massive platform to build on for the rest of the season because chances are you, you know you can probably get to maybe 38 probably don't even need to hit that 40 point mark to stay up so that would be absolutely enormous. But of course, it's going to be really difficult if Almiron and Sam Maximan are going to be out. Of course, we don't know at the moment, uh, at the time of recording. But of course, both of them went off injured in Saturday's match. And they're two of the players that make things happen for Newcastle in that final third.
1: Yeah, without them, you've got Shelby as your next top scorer. So with all those injuries, if they don't come back you have Shelby with seven goals for the season. Well,
0: actually, that's since the start of last season as well. Oh,
1: my bad, start of last season. Wow. Which
0: really puts it into perspective how much trouble Newcastle are in if, if Almiron and Sam Maximan are out for any sort of sustained period. Because, I mean, of course, neither of them are necessarily the most prolific, but they do cause teams problems. And with Callum Wilson being out, they're the two who really we are massively, massively relying on.
1: I mean, we've been talking a lot today about uh, milestones and anniversaries. I know there's a, one that's very close to your heart. Seven years to the day. What happened, Chris? Yep.
0: Yeah, so listeners, we're recording this on the Monday night, so that is the 1st of March. And we couldn't let this anniversary pass us by. It is indeed seven years to the day since one Alan Pardew headbutted Hull City midfielder David Myler. <laughs>
1: Or a wonderful moment, forever chiselled into my memory.
0: I mean, this this is up with one of those embarrassing moments of the club, like that idiot who punched the horse. It's. <laughs> I mean, you'd, you'd think we'd move on and just not mention it, but we're not that kind of club. We, I think you've got to just be able to poke fun at yourself if you're going to be a Newcastle fan, because otherwise you'll just go insane.
1: I feel like every other year this happens. There's always something, every other year. <laughs>
0: pretty much I mean we're just I think I've just long accepted that we're just going to be that kind of club it's rarely going to just be quiet and uneventful Uh, (laughs) but yes Alan Pardew of course I mean we say headbutted it was that sort of football style headbutt where someone kind of just leans in with their forehead a little bit And I think even even David Myler himself admitted it wasn't really a headbutt obviously it wasn't acceptable (laughs) but not necessarily a proper headbutt.
1: I remember watching that thinking like, what the hell? What literally just happened? Because it was so random and pathetic. It was like that dive from the uh, Man United manager. What's his name?
0: Louis van Gaal.
1: Oh my goodness. It was like Louis van Gaal's random dive. Out of the blue. I don't remember what else happened in that game. I don't remember why for either of these events. And I don't care because it was the highlight of the match.
0: Yeah, well, he really took the shine off, actually, what was a great win for us that day at Hull. I think we won 4-1. But, of course, no one was talking about that, and it was all about what Alan Pardew had got up to. Of course, this wasn't too long after Pardew uh, had got himself into hot water for verbally abusing Manuel Pellegrini. I won't repeat what he called him, but... It... Such
1: a charming human being, isn't he? <laughs> so charming.
0: Uh, but, of course, he was fined £100,000 by Newcastle and a further 60000 by the FA... And got that seven-match ban, but
1: wow, that must have really affected your chances of winning.
0: I'll be honest; I haven't actually looked up what how we did in the seven matches. But considering that John Carver would have been the one to step in, we probably didn't do very well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So the next match for yourselves is West Brom v Newcastle. So you're paying away. Oh, I'm just hoping for something that isn't a draw. I mean, West Brom just won, which is, you know, their third win this season, so clearly on a high right now. Yeah,
0: I mean, as you say, they're fresh from that 1-0 win against Brighton. I mean, admittedly, they were pretty fortunate, I think, to come away with the three points. A win's a win. But as you say, a win is a win, just their third of the season, but they are unbeaten now in their last three games, and we are going away to them. And, you know, in some ways they did us a favour, because of course, it meant that with our point against Wolves that pulled us level with Brighton Um, obviously not on goal difference but you know it, it did help us close that sort of narrow gap but you know equally it reinforces just how much of an absolute must win game it is when we take them on because we can't afford to let West Brom get back into the survival
1: race I mean you've won what the last three of your last five meetings with West Brom And both of the games against them last year, which sounds really good. But as we've said, you are now without three of your best players. So, I mean, who knows where that goal is potentially going to come from for Newcastle. I I, I couldn't call it. I couldn't call it. My my brain says nil-nil and my heart doesn't dare to hope for anything nearly exciting. But we'll just have to wait and see.
0: Well one thing that could be interesting is West Brom and Newcastle actually have the two worst defenses in the Premier League. Well Newcastle's is actually joint with Leeds with 44 conceded and West Brom have conceded 55. So if Newcastle without their top forward players if there's any team where they are going to have a chance of getting a couple of goals it you know it will be this one even if it is at the Hawthorns.
1: You know you you build this down to being like a goal extravaganza and it's just not I mean I would quite happily eat my words if we come back at this next week and there's been just a goal but you know if there's been like three goals scored it would be amazing however I'm personally not looking forward to this match
0: (laughs) well it's it's difficult to predict because as we've said Newcastle pretty toothless at the moment without certainly without Wilson potentially without Almiron, potentially without Sam Maximan. So that's a pretty pretty toothless Newcastle team against a West Brom side that have only scored 20 all season. But, as I say, on the flip side, neither team are particularly good at defending. So something's got to give.
1: Oh my God, what if Jolington scores?
0: Mm that... Mm. <laughs> uh I think you're going a bit a little bit carried away there. I mean, let's let's not say anything too crazy yeah. is going to happen.
1: I think I'm just a bit depressed because this weekend has been bad. N- draw for you, loss for Leicester, England losing in the rugby again, and the cricket, the cricket.
0: It wasn't a great sporting weekend from our point of view, was it? Oh. Hopefully next weekend's a bit better. If Newcastle can get that win against West Brom, that would be pretty massive in the title race Uh, (laughs) title
1: race holy shit who are you kidding (laughs) (laughs) that would
0: be pretty massive in the survival race I think it it would certainly kill off West Brom's chances certainly I think of overtaking Newcastle Newcastle are 9 points ahead of West Brom if we were to win and move 12 I think that would be fine if West Brom were to win they would only be 6 points back which I know is still a, a reasonable cushion against a team of West Brom's calibre but you know West Brom would be taking a lot of confidence from back-to-back wins I don't think you could rule out them overhauling Newcastle if they did actually get that win next weekend
1: yeah it's definitely crucial and we'll just have to wait and see
0: so we look forward to that and of course next week we'll be back dissecting it as always Uh, in the meantime please give the podcast a like and subscribe and if you could leave us a positive review that would be absolutely amazing until next time, this has been Magpies Unrestricted, and I've been your host, Chris Simpson. Thanks again, Cara. No problem. And thank you, listeners. Bye. Bye. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to bigheadsmedia.com for more great podcasts.